Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Gruber. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kathy Gruber. And I'm Jason Mefford. And today we have a special guest, Sean Rosensteel with us. Sean, all the way from... Dallas-Fort Worth area, I think, if I remember right, didn't it? Just recently, Dallas, yeah. All right. Dallas is, Dallas is one of my, was one, always one of my favorite places to go and visit. If you're going to go to Texas, I say go to Dallas, but anyway. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> let's, let's, let's first, Sean, let's talk a little bit about you because I know you've, you've got an interesting background. You've got a book out. Uh, you've got a podcast as well. So just kind of share with the listeners a little bit about kind of who you are, what you do, and then let's just kind of jump in and see where the conversation goes today. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kathy and Jason, for having me on the show today. Greatly appreciate it. Nice to be here with you, with y'all, as they say. Down y'all. Here. That's right. You got to start getting used to y'all and all y'all. Yeah. So I'm a Midwesterner. I'm from Chicago, and I tried that a few weeks ago, totally <laughs> botched it. Like, it cut off halfway in the middle. I was like, yeah, all. And everyone knew I was an imposter, so I'm not going to try that again. But uh, yeah, so we'll thanks for drills. having me. We'll do our drills. <laughs> so I recently wrote and published a book. It published in July, and it's called The School of Intentional Living. And I've been wanting to write a book for many years. I actually became obsessed with this topic of intentional living about a decade ago. Uh, in my late 20s, I went bankrupt. And I had many opportunities for wake-up calls uh, during my teenage years and my early and mid-20s. Not like near-death experiences, but close calls um, where I barely made it out alive. And you would think that that would have shaken me up enough to, to wake me up a little bit, but it really didn't. Interestingly enough, when I went bankrupt, it was about a month before my wedding. This was a very interesting time. And it was the first time that I really paused and reflected back on some of the choices that I had made leading up to that pivotal moment. And I realized how unintentionally and just how complacently I was living. I was really going through the motions, making poor decisions, uh, really living from a place of what's in it for me versus how may I serve. So when I went bankrupt, I took some stock, took some inventory and recognized the fact that I would be responsible for another human being in about a month. And she, my fiance at the time was talking about someday, you know, having a family of our own. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, <laughs> how am I ever one? It's one plus some others, right? Yeah. <laughs> how am I ever going to be responsible for her and our future children someday when I can't even be responsible for myself? So luckily I received some guidance at that time. Uh, in fact, I include, I included the, the, the money I had borrowed from my parents in my bankruptcy. And after the fact, once the paperwork was finalized, I realized, oh my gosh, my poor mother's gonna walk out and get the mail and, and, and see the letter from the government. So I figured I better give them a heads up on this one. So I called them both and uh, they were incredibly um, supportive. And, and they, luckily I've been very fortunate. They gave me unconditional love my whole life. And, they told me something that day that they had told me a hundred times over. It's just, I think I was ready to hear the guidance and it finally stuck. So my dad said, Sean, no one is responsible for you, but you. And then my mom chimed in and said, it's time to fi find a quiet place and figure things out for yourself. Um, so at 28 years old, I kind of took a step back and almost reset my life. I realized that, okay, I can 
reset my financial column and all my debt goes away, but there's no reset button for the things and the people in my life that matter the most. And I had a lot of digging out to do. I was bankrupt, not only financially, but spiritually and emotionally and physically as well. So I was a little bit behind the eight ball, but uh, became obsessed with personal growth. Uh, I, I always didn't like school. I was always a C average at best student, kind of went through the motions there. I was just biding my time trying to get out. And I became obsessed with learning. I was like, oh my gosh, I can read a book on addiction and put some of these strategies into play in my own life and then overcome these things. So I got really crazy about learning and applying what I was learning and eventually just became obsessed with this idea of, you know, living my best life, living intentionally. And then years went by, I got a few results in different areas of my life. And I eventually began teaching this to others. So I've been coaching this to other people on an individual basis, also in group settings for about six years now. And it was recommended that someday I write a book. I'm an avid reader. I read roughly a book a week. Uh, books saved my life 10 years ago. I couldn't afford an online course back then. You know, it was the early days and online courses weren't 297. They were more expensive than that. I couldn't afford plane tickets to fly out to go see Tony Robbins in LA, <laughs> you know? Uh, so books at the library and books on Amazon for $12, $15 really saved my life. So I thought it was a great idea to someday write a book myself, although I didn't really know how to approach the subject of intentional living because it means so many different things to so many different people. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So I couldn't find the entry point. Luckily, late last year, I was doing a meditation and an idea hit me that I couldn't really let go of. And it kind of gave me this metaphor to use with intentional living. And I went for it and I started writing the book, made the decision in January to write the book this year, started in February. Uh, COVID hit, obviously it affected all of us. No one was insulated from that. And uh, I feel like it was a blessing that I decided to write the book this year because it really gave me something to focus on during those uncertain times. I mean, we're still living through those uncertain times now to a certain degree, but it gave me a project to sink my teeth into and it kind of kept my attention and it eventually published in July. And uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled. It's, it's done really well. I think the timing is lucky and it's amazing because I think a lot of us are impacted by this pandemic and a lot of us are, you know, sitting back and doing a little bit of reflection and figuring out, okay, what do I really want out of my life? And what's my next move? Because we're all a little bit stuck right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because I had, I've heard so many people say, now that we've got a pandemic, I'm going to write my book. And nobody has, including me. It's like, I was, I'm halfway through one of my books and I thought, what a perfect time to write it. And then haven't. So can good for you for actually like doing that thing you said you're going to do and not like, write, like Pokemon, like some of the other, some of us have done. Yeah, uh, so, so you say there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of different routes into this idea of living your best life. So what is your philosophy on that? What was that in for you? So for me, when, you know, I used to think about intentional living from a place of, like, I think it's got some religious undercurrents. I remember years ago, I was looking for a book to help me live a more purpose-driven life. And I found the book, A Purpose-Driven Life by Rick Warren. And I remember opening it up and thinking, wow, this is a lot of gospel. And this is a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of religious undertones, which is perfectly fine, but that's, that really wasn't what I was looking for. 
uh, at that time. So I think people associate intentional living to, to Christianity, I think, at times, which is perfectly fine. That wasn't my angle at it necessarily. I also think there's a big misconception about purpose. I know a lot of people who are asking themselves, what's my purpose, right? And I think we all believe that purpose is just going to smack us like a you know, a ton of bricks in the face one day. And I, I don't believe, I found that purpose doesn't necessarily work that way. Mm-hmm. I think purpose is something that's not singular. A lot of us look to write out a purpose statement in one sentence. And I don't actually know anyone who has done that exercise and their entire life has changed. Right. I think purpose can be found in every area of your life. And I think it's a moving target. You know, my purpose today is different than it was a year ago. My priorities have shifted. I've had different experiences in all areas of my life. And now, you know, my focus has changed. So I think it's important for us to realize that purpose is fluid. It's a moving target. It changes with age, with experience, with our priorities. And I oftentimes tell people, look, if you're stuck with that question, what is my purpose? you know, ask a better question, you'll get better answers, right? So I always recommend that people add two simple words to that, which is what is my purpose right now? Because that seems to really adjust people's focus and helps them to live in the moment, live in the present moment, and also realize that, okay, you know, my purpose right now is to focus on this thing or the other thing. Uh, We all have a lot going on, right? We've got you know, we're coming into this podcast, we got things after this podcast. So what's my purpose today? What's my purpose right now? It's to be present with you, Jason and Kathy, and to enjoy our time together on this podcast. So I I feel like that's a neat little trick that you can use if you feel yourself getting caught up in that, well, what is my purpose mentality, right? It's kind of that loop. Well, because adding those two words, the right now at the end of it is what's important, right? Because I don't know, I mean, again, you've, I, I see that you see this all the time, with people, right? What is my purpose? Sit on the couch, meditate. Uh, It's going to hit me on the side of the head like a two before. It ain't going to happen like that, right? And so many people just get stuck there like, well, I'm not going to take any action until I know what my purpose is. I'm just going to sit here and think until it hits me, right? And it's like, uh, folks, the intention comes after you start taking action, right? You got to start doing something usually before it'll actually come because the universe isn't going to just give it to you if you're just sitting there doing nothing but thinking right that's that's one of the i think misconceptions in general with you know kind of the whole you know mindfulness and a lot of people getting into meditation and more spiritual stuff is is they think well all i have to do is sit and think about it and everything happens uh you still got to (laughs) work right you still got to do what it is and 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 it doesn't come as a two before it comes just like you said when you were getting that inspiration for the book, right? It's just like all of a sudden you have this thought and this metaphor comes in and it keeps hanging around. You couldn't get rid of it. It wasn't a fleeting moment. It was a conscious stream into you of, hey, my purpose right now is to write that book right now. Right. Right. But I I also think to your point, Jason, I also think it's good. I mean, I, I think a lot of us go through our entire lives and we don't ask ourselves that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, for whatever reason, I kind of like to live my life from the end. So I get obsessed with these like top five regrets, the dying brownie Ware, mm-hmm. the number one regret of the so many people who she took care of in the final weeks of their lives said, 
you know, I wish I would have lived a life that was more true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. So I think a lot of us go through the motions for a lifetime, but some of us do start asking those questions at whatever age it is. And I always think that's kind of a tap on the shoulder. That's kind of the beginning of a calling. Uh, and I think you're lucky. I think it's a blessing if you start to ask those difficult, deep, meaningful questions. So not a bad thing, but you don't want to sit idle for years in, in I'm wondering mode, right? And it's all about that intention. I mean, I was looking for an entry point. It took a long time, but my mind was open to it. You know, and oftentimes when you set that intention, the universe conspires with you or God or source or whatever you call it. And the right people start showing up in your life, the right solutions present themselves. So I think it's a great thing. Step one might be, hey, I'm wondering about this thing. Yeah. Step two might be look for it. Step three might be, hey, we all value clarity. We all wish we can have clarity, but oftentimes the clarity we all desire is earned through action to your point. It is, it is. Right? Yeah. So you learn and grow through motion and experience. You can't just sit and meditate for many years and expect the exact result to show up, you know? So I have a question. Now this might be getting a little too, this could be an interesting route. Um, I've talked to some, I've, I've traveled the world. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I've been, oh, there's only three states I've not been to. Every place I go, I talk to people. And I've talked to so many people who, they don't care about a purpose. They don't think about that. They think people that think about that are the, you know, the navel gazers who are sitting around just looking for something big. I, I, I feel like the majority of the population is okay to get up, have their breakfast, go to work, do their job, have their family, go to bed after watching something on TV. I think so many people are just, that's, they're, they're totally okay with that. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think we should all be looking for a purpose or do you think it's okay to just have part of the population going, no, this is it. This is what it is. Um, Am I correct in that statement, in your opinion? And I mean, like, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think those people are just wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're no, listening right now. No. You gotta go. No. <laughs> I'm glad you both laughed so quickly because I was definitely <laughs> kidding. Um, you know, I think each of us has our own path and we have to respect and appreciate everyone based on their unique beliefs and their experiences. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a need for everybody here, you know, so I don't think that everyone needs to go beyond, you know, let's call it conventional living, right? You wake up, you do the job, you come, you pay your taxes, come home someday, hopefully you retire. Um, I don't like those odds. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the statistics and I just mm -hmm. don't like those odds. And secondly, I think I would be bored out of my mind in retirement. So I would like to contribute, to give back, to serve. I'd like to be, live a life of meaning and purpose for as long as I'm here and capable to do so. But that's just my, that's my value system. That's what I enjoy. I know not everybody's like that. And I think that's totally fine. I think they are serving a purpose somewhere. I know a lot of people who are corporate executives and they you know, work hard and they come home and they're, they're great family people. They're raising their families. So while they're not pursuing like a purpose-driven career, like a thought leader career, as a writer or a coach or a speaker, they're doing great work inside their company and then they're serving their families. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very admirable. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people who 
have a day job and they don't have families and they volunteer every now and then. I think that's great. You know, so I think to each his own, I don't have any issues with that, but I do tend to attract and be attracted to those people who are looking to, you know, make a difference, so to speak. My, my grandmother growing up used to always tell us as kids, you know, never leave a room in worse condition than when you entered it. And I kind of use our planet, this world as a metaphor. And I try to live that out in my own life. And my whole thought process is I don't want to leave this world in, in, in worse off condition than when I arrived. I want to use my talents and God-given abilities and everything else to, to make this a better place. And we, we each have different unique ways of doing that. I will never be a politician. It's not in my DNA. It's not in my blood. I'm interested in other things. And while I'm involved minimally and I do my part, I just won't pursue that path. But I know a lot of other people who are very obsessed with it and passionate about it. I think that's great. You know, so we're all, I believe we're all here for a reason. I think we all contribute in our own ways or we don't contribute. And it maybe creates someone else's path because of that lack of contribution, right? Yeah. So it's all kind of happening together for a reason in, in my experience. Well, I think sometimes too, it's, it's um, you know, there's different seasons of people's lives as well, right? And so I, I think sometimes, you know, it's easy for us from the outside to maybe judge or not, not see it as maybe, um, you know, as intentional or, you know, it's kind of the same old get up, you know, go to work, come home, blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. But to the person itself, a lot of it comes back to the intent and the intent of the person as well. And so, you know, I've seen lots of people, you know, mothers, fathers working one or two jobs, immigrant families, especially fall into this, right? Where, where maybe the parents, it just seems like they're kind of doing the daily grind, but they have purpose behind what they're doing. And it's to provide for their children so that their children can have a better life than they did. Mm -hmm. And so even though it may, you know, from the outside, it may seem like, oh, you know, you're, you're washing dishes or you're mowing lawns or you're doing something your whole life, but that gives that person purpose because they see they're leaving the world a better place than they came. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not following a dream, da, 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 you know, kind of thing, but they're still making the world a better place. And, you know, Sean, like you said, we all have our own path to go down. You know, there's different I mean, the experiences, you know, of you going through the bankruptcy, you learn something from it. It's, it's horrible to go through that, but you know, you learn something. It was the path that you were on and that made you the man who you are today. Yeah. Martin, I was listening to, uh, I, I think it was NPR a couple of years back and it must've been on Martin Luther King day and they were playing just his speeches over and over and over again, which was so inspirational and motivational. And there was one of his speeches where he basically said, look, you don't have to be saving the world. You don't have to be curing cancer, you but you be the best damn whatever you are. If you're a street sweeper, you be the best conscious street sweeper. Yes. I'm butchering this talk. But I mean, but it was that sort of thing. It's like, no matter, no, there is no small, just like there's no small part. There's only a small actor kind of thing. It's like you do whatever you do with grace and confidence and, and, you know, thankfulness and joy. That was his message. And I thought, yeah, I, there, 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 we need everybody in this 
global play to make all this stuff happen. So for somebody that wants to find their purpose though, what do you recommend? Like what's the first step to this intentional living? Yeah. Well, I think all of us, if someone is really challenged and they they've thought about it for a while and they really don't know my first step, I always recommend like, look at how you're spending your time. Cause sometimes finding purpose can, can feel like you're trying to read the label of a bottle from inside the bottle, right? It's just hard because we're so close and we need to somehow some way get out of that and broaden our perspective a bit. But I oftentimes tell people to just focus on themselves and, and look at the areas that they spend the most time in. So if I, if someone didn't know and we looked at their calendar and we saw that in their calendar, they were volunteering twice a week for the past five years with an animal shelter, that could give us some clues into what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. If someone was reading or if someone was um, you know, coaching people on how to identify their best career, or, you know, I think there are clues. I think there are traces of some of those things, but we just get you know, not caught, but we get into these routines and we become, it's almost like this unconscious thing, right? So we have to create some awareness around that and bring that to someone's consciousness. Mm -hmm. But chances are, based on history, you can tell where people are passionate about and investing more of their time than not. And then you've got the issue where like back in my teenage years and in my 20s, I was abusing alcohol and, you know, going out multiple nights every week and blacking out. And it was, you know, if you looked at my calendar back then, it was sleeping and partying. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, you have to kind of, if, if it's disempowering behavior, you have to kind of look beyond it, get behind it and say, okay, what's that all about? And for me, it was like, well, I'm just looking to escape. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking to feel good. Um, I'm just looking to numb my nerves. I'm just looking to escape boredom or, you know, whatever it was. It's like, okay, the vehicle I'm using is a disempowering one. So what other vehicles might I enjoy using that actually empowers me and makes me feel even better and doesn't hang me over the next morning and and immobilize me until 2 p.m. in the afternoon? So that's a tough question, and and I like it a lot. I think the starting point may be different for many of us based on where we are. You know, a lot of us are in different stages, as, as Jason mentioned, seasons of life. I think the trick is to get ourselves out of survival mode. A lot of us are living paycheck to paycheck, not just in the financial column of our life, but with our health, with our relationships. And I think it's very hard to pursue anything or create or envision a a compelling future for ourselves when we're just trying to keep our heads above water and we're in survival mode. So I think step one might be to just get, somehow find a way to get us into a more stable, a place of stability where we're making progress, we're a little bit more disciplined, maybe we have a little bit more structure and we're improving certain areas of our lives that really matter to us. And sometimes when you get into that place, it's easier to look ahead, it's easier to set goals and get into some of those rhythms where you can create that future for yourself, right? Well, and I, I wanted to come back to one of the words that you said before, you know, you, you said when you, when you went to your parents, told them about your bankruptcy and they, they kind of gave you advice again. And the word that, that I remember too there is responsible, right? That you're, you're the one that's responsible. <clears throat> and so when I, when I think about, you know, intentional living, you know, responsibility, I think is, has to be a huge piece of this, right? 
because if if we're intending for something to happen we have to accept responsibility for our piece in this right and again if 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 we look at it and say hey you know what right now i'm in the season of my life my kids are little um, I don't want to be working crazy hours, let's say. I, so I'm going to choose, right, to maybe have a job that doesn't pay as well, maybe doesn't fulfill me as much personally, because I'm choosing, right, to be there with my kids more. And I'm, respon I'm the one responsible for that, right? Because so much of the time, it seems like we get into this blame and excuse and denial, and then we, you know, people complain about the life they have without ever taking responsibility or being intentional, right, about what you want. And if you're not intentional, then it's kind of like, you know, it's hard to complain, right? You brought up politics before. My parents always told me, you know, you can't complain about, you know, the, the political landscape if you don't vote, right? If you don't at least vote, you can't bitch and moan about what's going on sure. because you're not even doing your part, you know, that minimum, minimum part. Right. So, so how does that responsibility and everything kind of work in here and what you're teaching with the intentional living too? Well, for me, that's where it started <clears throat> was taking responsibility and people don't, you know, no one likes to talk about personal responsibility. It's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I want to put the blame on others. So I often kind of reframe that into taking charge because it just ah. sounds a little sexier, <laughs> you know, let's take charge, right. Take ownership. Uh, but I think it definitely starts there and, or it can. And I like when I, when I see the word responsibility, I don't remember who this was, but many years ago told me that's simply your ability to respond mm -hmm. responsibility, right? Which, which I like that. So, okay. My ability to respond. So thus far in my life, I haven't been able to respond very well. Moving forward, I will respond better. Um, I will take charge of, you know, all the decisions I've made leading up to this moment. And from here on out, I will become more intentional or more purpose driven or whatever that looks like. But I think that helps. And I think there's a process people go through and I haven't necessarily analyzed it for myself, but I think, you know, lately I've been learning a lot about like self-forgiveness, right? So I think, you know, we all have to take, let's say we lived an unintentional life for 50 years and we want to respond better moving forward, I think we have to take responsibility, acknowledge our complacency or our drifting or going through the motions or whatever term you want to use. But then we have to, you know, we have to just accept it. We have to almost go through this acceptance period where, okay, I accept that those things happened. I made those decisions. They all led me to right where I am today. And then we have to take responsibility. And then I think we have to be accountable moving forward and ultimately take action. But I think somewhere in there, and again, recently in the last nine, six, nine months, I've been learning about like forgiving myself and how important that is. We, we always talk about how it's important to forgive others, but it's like, well, what about forgiving yourself for some of those decisions that you made that you may today regret? And well, you didn't have the learnings that you have now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. So be compassionate with yourself. Have, be a little more patient and forgive yourself because you're on a path here. And the, the very fact that you're thinking this way, I think is a good sign. Like I mentioned, it might be a tap on the shoulder that there's something 
I don't want to say bigger, better, but there's something beyond your current circumstances that's waiting for you. Yeah, and I love that you talk about the forgiveness and sort of letting that go, because if we look at our lives as sort of like a duffel bag and we only have so much space, if you're carrying around all this stuff from the past, if you're carrying around all this regret, all this guilt, all this energy, then there's no space for you to put all the good stuff in. So I think we, I think you're right. That's one of the first steps, at least in my mind, is we have to let that stuff go that's no longer serving us, whether it's a relationship or a job or a thought form you know, if we don't have space for all the new stuff, then we're not going to get it as easily. Yeah, great point. Well, and, and I think it's easy to let's analogize this a little bit, right? Because like you said, the self forgiveness is just as important. So let's say, Sean, you and I, you know, we're in a relationship, we do something, I do something to piss you off, you do something to piss me off, who knows, right? But there's a strain in that relationship. Until I forgive you, or until you forgive me, it's hard for our relationship to move forward, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with us as individuals. If we are not willing to forgive ourselves, how can we have that growth and move and develop and transform ourselves if we're still holding ourselves back? We're, we're effectively, it's a self-grudge if we don't forgive ourselves. And so that's why, again, self-compassion, self-forgiveness is so important. And we usually forget it. You know, oh, Jason, you're so stupid, blah, 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 blah. You know, we, that self-talk goes in our head and we got to get that out of there because just like any other relationship, we have a relationship with ourself. And if we can't forgive ourselves and move on, we're holding ourselves back. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that self-grudge. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's self grunge, which is a totally different kind of music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, of course, we are wrapping up our time uh, since I'm the appointed timekeeper. Um, any final thoughts from you? This has been a great conversation, as always. Um, any final thoughts? How can we get a hold of you and your book and all that good stuff? Thank you. Yeah, right. Thanks. So, right now, if you go to my website, seanrosensteel.com, and hopefully you can spell that last name in the show notes. Um, I'm doing like a, a, a free signed copy, just pay shipping and handling. Um, and while you're waiting on the book to arrive, you'll also get a free PDF immediately via email so that you can begin reading and you don't have to wait. Um, so you can get it on Amazon as well, Barnes and Noble. I mean, any place that books are sold online, um, you can get it there too. So I certainly appreciate the time here today on the show. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Great conversation. Jason, you always have the most brilliant thoughts to end. The brilliant thoughts to end. Oh, well, no we're talking about intentional living, right? I just try to like summarize a little bit, but um, you know, if, if you, maybe if your life isn't going quite where you want it to be going, then just let's start being a little bit more intentional about it. You know, we talked about some of the things, having awareness, you know, where are you spending your time? What are you kind of getting out of it? You know, be responsible, forgive yourself you know, think about really where you want to go and, and realize that we're all in different seasons, but let's just try to make this world a better place than we came to, right? I love the analogy even of the room. You know, I think you said it was your grandmother that said that. Mm -hmm. If we can always <clears throat> try to give and make this world better than it was before, right? Because ultimately, the question that you brought up too, that we kind of skipped over a little bit, but how may I serve? If you answer that question to yourself, even, even on those little things. So again, we talked about getting stuck on the couch as an example. And one of my mentors tells me, he says, you know, 
in business, especially it's like, how can you serve the best for the next 15 minutes? You know, don't try to overthink, Oh, what's the most important thing? What's, what's the thing you can do for the next 15 minutes. It's going to serve right the most. now, right now. Yeah. And, and so adding that to it too, you know, that, uh, what is my purpose right now? What can I do right now? And then just start making some, some changes. And, uh, but yeah, Sean, thank you so much, um, for coming on here, everybody go out, have a great week and start living more intentionally mm -hmm. and we'll catch you. Oh, Hey, Jason. I know I screwed up the end after a hundred episodes. I just screwed up the end. I'm I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. Well, I was the destructive one today. <laughs> I can be reached at kathyrumor.com. <laughs> so with that, go out and we'll catch you on the next Fire and Earth podcast. See ya. See ya.